Well, it's good to be back in our class today. We're going to be taking up the study of the book of Daniel. And today, it's good to see all of our students that have came back from the last time of our last courses. We want to look right at the moment in our textbook. I want us to turn to page 341 in the back. Now, this is in your appendix. And the reason I'm starting here, because I believe that when we kind of get a thought of some dates, it will help us or dates that we can go back to and we can uh, place them with <coughs> events. Now, I'm going to have a little uh, moment, and I'm going to stand on my uh, box, and I'm going to make a statement. And the older I get, the more I hear uh, people talk, uh, minister, and preach, I have an issue. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead. And, it is time that we start, it is time that we stop Calling things stories. This is not a story book. We need to use the term event. I just want to go ahead and put that out. Uh, I I know I have been in habit of doing that also. So I just wanted to put that out. We need to, if there is a documented time and date, it is an event. Once upon a time, don't work with me. That's right. That's right. Amen. That's right. So I'll just go ahead and make that statement right now. On page 341, we find two timelines that are listed. These timelines are going to be beneficial to you as you go through this study. <clears throat> There's going to be times that the textbook itself is going to reference you back to this timeline. Now, to the best of the ability of history, we do find that some of these things are events that have been um, they have been uh, proven uh, to be in that of a close proximity. Uh, so therefore, these are events. Now, I want to ask a question, and I can just get some answers at random. Um, is the book of Daniel a book that's historical? I would say yes. Yes. That's what, yeah. Okay. It's definitely a book of historical <laughs> It also is a book of prophetic. Yes. Oh, yes. Prophetic. And I don't know about you, but if we are not in some things that are that have been revealed mm-hmm. in the book of Daniel, I don't know what else to say. Amen. They are part of where we're at today. Come on in, Brother Proctor. Pastor Proctor, good to have you today. Amen? Praise the Lord. But on this page, on page 341, it gives a timeline of the life of Daniel. And also it goes down to somewhere about 534. Now it's believed that Daniel um, is accepted that Daniel was born somewhere about the time of 620 B.C. In a window of, of two two years there is given in a proximity. If you do the math and you do some of the reading, you'll find that Daniel lived to be approximately 90 years of age. And even in your first in your first chapter of the book of Daniel, it tells you in the last verse, verse 21, it gives you the indication, and we know that uh, he was not just under that of the siege of Nebuchadnezzar uh, taking uh the Jewish people, and taking these, definitely the four Hebrew uh, young men that we know that are characters that are mentioned or personalities in the book of Daniel. And, of course, 
in verse 21 of the first chapter, it says, And Daniel continued even to the first year of King Cyrus. So we see a lifespan here of Daniel and a good portion of it being in that of Babylonia. And with that being said, Daniel was a young man in his teens when he was uh, deported or sent to uh, Babylon. So keep that in mind. But approximately around 620 B.C. is when he was born. And then we see somewhere approximately, probably around 530 is, is an approximate date of his death. And then under all these different um, settings of uh of Nebuchadnezzar and then Nebuchadnezzar's son, grandson, um, as, as far as the Babylonian, then we get into the Mede-Persian and uh, how that it comes down finally to that of uh, several various kings and then Darius and then Cyrus mm -hmm. is, is, is uh, at least uh, three or four kings that are definitely mentioned. Can yes. I ask a question on, on the calendar of this? Okay, 620. I was going to ask that too. With this, everything goes lower. What was the starting number of the Bible? That's a good question. Um, approximately the earth is somewhere over, or, or we say time, 6,000, 6,000, So we, it, we have, well, with time, it does go down, and we know that the time of Abraham would have been somewhere around 24, yeah. 21. Then we get into that, of, and I was going to bring up a few dates that I think that are important to us in the history, and that's the reason I asked the question about, is the book of Daniel a book of history? And it is. It is. It's a book of events that yes. have happened and that are going to happen. The reason I ask that is because with everything that's going on with Israel, you know, we look at that Palestinian flag every day. We see the black, we see the white, we see the red, we see the green. And when you go to the Bible, of course, that green is called pale. And you look the pale up under the Hebrew, and it tells you it's green. So that flag, I want to know when that flag was created. Was it created and taken from the Bible? You're right. They call it a pale green, but it's pale. Yeah. It's pale. I wanted to know was it pale blue, pale what? But when you look it up under Hebrew, it's green. Uh huh. So that flag they wave are the four horsemen that are coming. Yes. Apocalypse. They done. Mm. I, and, and I realized that. You need to know that because yes. that, that blew me away. When I, I looked at that flag, you're what right. Came first, the flag. Mm -hmm. The flag and the flag came last. And that's something. Because I looked wow. up flags on the internet the other day, and that flag is not that old. Oh, my gosh. And it represents all those yeah, horses. It represents that. Well, it's my sure does. And, and see, there's so many things that we're even finding now as we get later into uh, the empires, the six empires that are going to be mentioned mm. as we go through the course of study. So that's why some dates are important. One thing that I want us to realize that when Israel left Egypt, it would have been the 1400 B.C.s. And we understand by the time that they... Uh, get to the turn of, of 1000, uh, yeah, 1000 BC, we've got David and Solomon sitting on the kingdom or on the throne. And we know after Solomon there was a great split. So here's some dates that I do want you to keep in mind that has to do with Israel. First of all, we know that we've got the reigning kings of 
David and Solomon in that window of time mm -hmm. for approximately 80 years. It brings us down into the 90s, uh, early 90s. Okay, by uh, 931, we have the split. We have the split of the kingdom. Now, there's some discussion about that in our textbook of how the, the north and the south, and of course, there's even a map in your textbook that talks about um, the, the, the division. If you if you look at... I'm uh, going there right at the moment, but we will, if I can find it. There is a map that's one of the illustrations, and it shows you the two kingdoms. And of course, it's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And it divided in 931, and uh, uh, Robum and Jeroboam, and Robum would have took over uh, Jerusalem and the two tribes that uh, made up uh, the southern uh, kingdom. If you go to page <coughs> number um, 26 in your textbook, you'll see illustration number four, and you'll see the Mediterranean Sea, you'll see the Nile River, you'll see Egypt, the Red Sea, some things like that. You'll see the division. You'll see where... There's Israel, and then you see Jerusalem and Judah. So you've got the two different nations that divided in 931. Then, with some of the conversation that's already been said about Palestine, we've got to understand where did all this really start. And even our textbook gives us some guidelines about even in the early chapters of the book of Genesis, which would be several generations out from Adam, we find the Tower of Babel. Yep. Mm -hmm. We find the emphasis of Babylon coming into existence before it become an empire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even though we are now uh, in the latter part of at least uh, the feet of iron and clay, uh, which is bringing us into the present moment, and if you go back to page number um, 341 of your timeline, there's a second timeline and it's the timeline of the Gentiles. <laughs> now you'll find here, what was the page, again? I'm sorry. page 341 in your textbook, we talked about the life uh, timeline of Daniel in the first one at the top of the page, and then if you look at the bottom of the page, it gives you the second timeline, and it talks about uh, from 605, and it goes up on that first line to 1099, which would be A.D., and then, of course, it brings us to the second line. And I put a question mark. Or no, there is a question mark. I didn't put the question mark. But where the question mark is between Israel and the second coming, there in that second line of the time of the Gentiles, I put, that's where we are. That's exactly where we are right now. And, folks, we're, we're right here between... How many of you got the print off of the, okay, of the um, statue. statue? Okay, it gives you um, one, two, three, four, five. It gives you five of these empires, and we are right there with the feet of iron and clay. Yeah. And things are going to begin to develop that hasn't, and things that are already developed that will shock you. And folks, as I begin to read Daniel again and begin to even read this textbook, some terms that I'm hearing in the textbook, I said, oh, wait a minute, I've heard that on the news and paid it no mind. That's right. We'll talk about some of those hopefully. 
And and it just shows you how close we are yes. with a one world government. Yes. So yes. technically, when you look through these empires as they progress, that's exactly what the concept was, was a one world government from the very beginning. What were they attempting to do? They were not only attempting to make the statement of, of reaching to God with the Tower of Babel, but man was exalting himself. He was exalting himself because when you go through these empires, we see, especially when we talk about Nebuchadnezzar, and we will, how that God had to lower him. Yeah. God had to lower him, and God had to show him that he was not the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that he's the king of That's kings right. and the Lord of lords. Yes. So these timelines are very effective, and, and hopefully as you read through these, you'll come back to these. And these are things that, as I stated earlier, we need to get away from stories. Amen. We've got historical events. Mm -hmm. It's events. Ministers, preachers, we don't get up. We don't talk about. We don't need to get up and say, "Well, the Bible story of Daniel yeah. in the den of lions or the lions den." He was in a den of lions, not a lions den. Mm -hmm. I mean, we split hairs over terminology, but folks, I don't have a Bible that has a bunch of stories. Amen. I got a Bible that has events that took Amen. place yes. and they line up yes. with history right. and yes. they line up with what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. yes. Amen. All we're doing is giving place to the enemy out here that you got a little fairy tale. No, there's an event. Yes. There's an event yes. that's happened. There's an event that are going to yes. happen. Yes. Amen. Uh, so we find even our syllabus talking about how that things even start in the early stage of that affect Israel by 931 with the division and then by 722 we see this see we can't just go with the six empires but we can't examine every empire and we can't even take the time in these six empires to do what would pay justice mm. but there has been empire after empire after empire after empire before the Babylonian Empire yes. there was the Assyrian Empire that's right yes. and of course we understand between Egypt and Assyria is uh, is very effective some things that affected the world um, and even, uh, in some aspect, help the uh, Babylonians to become what they become. So we see around 605, with the power and the, uh, the influence of Babylon, which is birthed in the first years of civilization. <laughs> we may not have exactly all the years there, but by the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, we already see, and this is even after the flood, after God said, hey, I'm mm -hmm. going to wipe it all out. Mm -hmm. We see, see, here's the tragedy. And we see the example with Israel. God never wanted or planned for them to have a king. He just gave them what they wanted. Right. That's mm -hmm. right. They were to be actually a theocracy. They were to be governed by God. That's right. Mm -hmm. So what we see is, yes, God did establish and ordain government, mm -hmm. but government was to follow what? It was to follow the rule and the law of God. Mm -hmm. yes. That we keep right. it in line with theocracy. Amen. But we see man failed even by the time they get to the 11th chapter yeah. of the book of Genesis. And so therefore we see as one empire, one empire, one empire, one empire. And in our lifetime, we have seen an empire that's not what it used to be, but still has a world effect or has an effect in the world. And that's even the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. 
And God's timing is so important. And that messed his whole timing up when Saul became king. Because he didn't pick Saul. No, he didn't. He didn't. And even we see we see even with David, man's eyesight. That's why God said, I don't look at the appearance. I don't look at the appearance. Um, but even all these empires, if we look, we'll see we'll see a strain of truth where it's bringing us back to what God's going to orchestrate for the house of Israel and bring even us to end time events. Mm -hmm. yes. um, we have the issue with Palestine today because folks, and I know we're getting into some things that, that can take us a lot of different directions here, but you, and, and I'm saying this not to belittle anybody, but these folks are cousins. Mm -hmm. They are. They're brothers and brothers and, and, and cousins, and they're fighting over a strip of land, and they even take scripture and want to belittle the scripture and say there's another writing that gives the the emphasis of Abraham taking Ishmael instead of Isaac. That's why we've got these issues because of man stepping in out of line of God's order, and it makes a course of action that has set events in course, and God is even, and I brought up the United Kingdom because even the United Kingdom, England has been that that God used to even help establish mm -hmm. Israel to be able to get their land back mm -hmm. when you study history. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know why, but every time I go to say his name, it, it leaves me, but there is a general that was with England, and in the First World War, he actually went in to take Jerusalem, and this man knew enough of God's word and scripture, I hope his name will come to me in a moment, but there again, because I had been having this in my notes and plan to say this, but anyway, when he got to the Eastern Gate, he dismounted his horse, because he was part of a cavalry uh, uh, regiment, he dismounted his horse and refused to ride in the gates before they were sealed. And in doing so, he said, this is in honor because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is the one that's going to ride in these gates. Oh, yes. Thank God. But we've got groups of people that are fighting over a strip of land that God said, and I'm going to go ahead and throw something out. How many of you, all right, let's, let's, look, let's look at page 26 before I say that. This kind of gives us a geographical fault of, of Israel right now. Above Israel there would be Syria and Lebanon. And then, of course, you've got the Dead Sea. And on the other side of the Dead Sea, if we was looking at a modern map, we would have we would have Jordan, and then we'd begin to have uh, the desert. We'd have, uh, you call down a little south, Saudi Arabia, uh, all these other countries going over into the Babylon mm -hmm. area. Uh, you'll, you, you, because if you go on over further enough, far enough to the right, you'll see Babylon. You see the Euphrates and the Tigris River. Um, and today, all that's Iran. All that's Iran. So we see what the difficulties are. Mm -hmm. We see where we're at today. Okay, let's go back to just that little strip of land that we see that got divided because Rovum 
he did not take good advice, and the ten, the ten, ten tribes, they separated 931 B.C., and they go their way. Then we find this geographically gives us some idea of almost pretty much what Israel has stayed. The most that they ever inhabited their land at what God promised them was under King Solomon's rule. That's the closest, but they never did. Right now, I've got it wrote somewhere, and we'll probably reference it when we get there. So right now, Israel is not occupying, and I can't remember how many square, square miles it is, that actually God promised them from the um, Nile River to uh, the, the Euphrates, just from east to west, if you want to say it that way, not talking about north and south, uh, the square footage, and I don't remember off the top of my head, and I do have a note of it, and we'll touch back on that another time, I'm sure, in our teaching. But how much right now do you think off the top of your head, and if you give me the right answer, that's fine, great, that actually Israel is occupying that belongs to them? Somebody want to take a guess, or, or, or do you know? Can you repeat it again? How much of the land right now is Israel actually occupying that belongs to them? Probably a quarter. 26 miles? I don't know. Only half of it? Uh, out of four. Less it's than 10%. Oh, God. Less than 10% because of what belongs it. to them. Yeah. Less than 10%. Part of our land belongs to them. And they're trying to take it all. Yeah. When I find that note, I'll give it to you because it's in here. Mm -hmm. I wrote it, uh, and I don't remember exactly. So mm -hmm. um, so it's less than 10% right now. I forget how many square square miles it's supposed to be right off the top of my head. So they never really occupied everything. And see, the tragedy goes back to when God made the promise, when they went through Jericho, when they went through Jericho, and were to go on in and began to occupy, and then they began to set up by the tribes what they were to occupy. The book of Judges talks about it. Listen, folks, they're not occupying because God, uh, God fell on his promise. No, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. God said, I've already gave you the land. You're to go take it. Yes. You're to go take possession of it. Mm -hmm. You're to go right. take possession. They didn't. One example is Dan. Dan was supposed to be right there in the middle, just about where Gaza, some of this is going on, and they go more north. Mm -hmm. They did not mm -hmm. occupy what God said was there. And folks, when we are like that and God has gave us a promise and we don't go and take that's it, right. we're going to be the one to lose. God yeah, didn't short us. That's right. Amen. That's right. Well, when they became a state, did they have everything they were supposed no. to no, okay. No, they never had no, it. No, no. It's They've been taken a little bit at the time here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You cannot give land for peace, and that's exactly what happened in the Sharon. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. Prime Minister or President Sharon. Constantly. Well, we'll give you a little bit of this for, for some peace. Right. And won't George Bush that. the one huh? that George Bush was the one that decided that to give Gaza back to the Palestinians or Iranians? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that'd be worth researching. It would mm -hmm. be worth researching. And and all of our presidents, I mean, in in, in our common time, has, has had some effect. 
I've said this before and I'll say it again, and I know honorably he's still living. Uh, I think he's one of the most honest presidents we ever had, whether you voted for him or not. Uh, Jimmy Carter. Mm -hmm. if, I could, if I could entertain the presence of Jimmy Carter for just a few moments, and he would let me ask one question. This man's supposed to be a born-again believer. I'm not questioning that. He's taught Sunday school and probably knows as much or more than I do. He's taught Sunday school a big portion of his life. Wow. Wow. I'd like to ask him. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to ask him this question. When you were sitting down with Arafat and whoever the Egyptian, I can't remember all their names, what were you thinking, Mr. President, with that peace treaty? Knowing what you know from biblical studies that you personally probably have taught mm. in Sunday school, wow. what were you thinking? Yeah. And I'm not saying that in a belittling way against him, but was he thinking, well, this is just a piece of the puzzle, and I'm here where I'm at, and I'm helping it happen. Huh. Well, you know it had to cross his mind. I mean, he's too deep a Christian for it not to have. Mm -hmm. So we've got world leaders right now, folks. They're not dummies. Mm -mm, no. Some, some are not dummies. They're educated. And I know we're recording they this. Believe they know. And yeah. you can believe and you can say and you can feel any way you want to. But Mr. Putin, he professes to be a Christian. Oh, yeah. my. He oh, wears yeah. a cross. Oh, His my mother God. was a professing Christian. Jesus. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Folks, there is people, they are educated, and they know more than they want to tell you. But, yeah, maybe they've been deceived. Maybe they have took the scriptures out of context. Well, Hitler's father was a minister, too. So. Oh, no. Gosh. I did not know that either. Me? Uh -uh. Well, who did he go to? He went to the clergy. He went yeah. to the clergy and attempted to persuade them with everything he was doing. And basically, one minister, and I can't recall his name off the top of my head, rebuttaled against that. Yeah. Okay, we're throwing a lot of things here, and we're, we, like I said, just open, and we, we've run with some things. All right, let's kind of settle down before we take a break, and let's go to the syllabus uh, study, uh, let's go to the study guide a little bit, and let's, let's walk through it just a little bit. Now, between your Bible, your textbook, you will find these answers. Now, this will kind of give us some guideline to go over some things. We kind of just threw some things out to make you think. And while you're turning on page one of your um, uh, study guide, let me just say also, I want you to, I want you to remember the date 722. 722, that's when the Assyrians took um, the northern kingdom. And on page number 26, we were looking at that division there where we had the ten tribes that became Israel, and and also then Judah became the two tribes. Um, and then, okay, 722, the Assyrians captured um, the northern kingdoms. And then we find in 586, now I want you to remember a date, 605 is in our timeline, 605 B.C. is when Nebuchadnezzar seized the first time, went and took captives out of uh, Jerusalem. But in 586, this is what you want to remember, 586 B.C., which would be even later, that's when the first destruction of the temple and the actual uh, dating of the captivity of that of 
of Judah takes place. But we find in the first moving of captives was that in 605 B.C., and this is when Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, did you hear what I said? Who are they? <laughs> Folks, that's another thing. I know we're going to read our Bible, and it's going to tell us Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, but that wasn't the name. Listen, as much as you can, use those Hebrew names. Use those Hebrew names. But I guarantee you, if I'd ask you, who were the three Hebrew boys? I guarantee you, most of you would have said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, because that's what we've been taught. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. we've been taught. But we need to stay with the Hebrew names. Amen? Amen. We need to stay with those Hebrew names as much as possible. Because that was what Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar changed. That's, that's, right. Exactly right. Right. that's exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. So I want to I want us to, to look on page one and we're gonna run through some of this for just a moment. Okay. With that in mind, I want you also to look in your Bible. Now this is this is my philosophy, or this is my thought, or this is my take. I, I look for a theme verse. If I'm studying a book of the Bible, I look for a theme verse. Then a lot of times I look for a theme verse in the chapter, and it could be, it could be the same as as the as the uh, theme uh, verse of the chap. I mean, of the book, because when you get to that particular chapter. Okay. With that being said, personally, and I'll I'll give some explanation on that. I honestly believe the theme key verse to Daniel. The book of Daniel, even though we've got all these prophetic events, we've got historical events and everything, we need to realize that I honestly, myself, take this, chapter 1, verse 8, to yep. be the key verse uh-huh. of the book. I knew he was going to say that. Read uh-huh. it for us, uh, Meredith. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuch <clears throat> that he might not defile himself. Okay. That's the key verse that I personally, I tell you. Yes. What was the verse? I'm sorry. Chapter 1, one verse, verse eight. 8. All right, I want you to look back hmm. to that verse that she just read. I want you to look at the word purposed. Yeah. And we pretty much know what purpose means. But technically, if you take that back to a root even with a, a Hebrewic thought, it means that that's ordained. Wow. He saw it's already ordained. This is it's already set in concrete, or I've determined. It's just a you know basic English word that we can use. I have determined. He determined where in his very soul of soul, heart of heart, that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Mm. And we find that throughout the book. Mm -hmm. We find that out throughout every time that Daniel stood in the king's presence or Daniel went and done what he was already practicing. I may get ahead of myself. Daniel didn't go and decide to go pray when he heard there was a decree. David, excuse me, Daniel had already been praying. That's right. He didn't. He said, "Well, wait a minute. I need to. I need to set my time on my on my uh, my time uh, my my hour, my hourglass here or whatever that I can't go 
morning, evening, and, and night, I, I got to change it up a little bit so they won't suspect anything. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that, did he, Pastor? He didn't do that. He done, and he didn't do it for show because that's what he'd been doing. Right. I've always purposed in my heart. This is this is life, buddy. Well, this is the way I live. That's right. Yeah. I don't think he just that day decided to open the doors and the windows either. I believe he prayed till he sweated and he had to have some air. Yes, yes. I mean, that's just my commentary that's on that right. part. Amen. That's right. Like or he had to win his open so he could get a fresh dose of the ghost. Come on in, Dove. Come on in, Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. All right. <laughs> Daniel didn't change a thing because he already had purpose. Uh -huh. He already had it in concrete. And folks, that's what we got to do. And if there's anybody that could have changed and been pressured to change, he said, well, wait a minute, there was some changes. Oh, yeah. And there may be some things pressed on us that may make some changes, yeah. but it doesn't change us. Amen. Yes. It's Amen. what we do with it. That's right. That's it. <laughs> now, y'all don't think I'm a little weird. Mm-mm. Y'all don't think I'm a little weird. On Fridays, and some of y'all may have experienced this too. There we go. It was before I went Pentecostal. Right. <laughs> My mama went to church of God. I thought she lost her mind. She raised us Baptist. But Proctor, you're going to like this. <laughs> but I knew what it was to be in a church where they shouted even in the Baptist church and got excited. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they didn't have a bottle of oil up there. And the preacher, I think he was trying to be respectful one time. He said, if y'all want, and he'd pray for people. He said, if y'all feel like you got to have some oil, we ain't got none right now. Somebody go out there and get a little bit off the dipstick. <laughs> sounds almost disrespectful, but, but, but there again. Yeah. But, but my point is this. I went to high school, there was 1,300 students in the student body, and that's only two grades, 11th and 12th grade. So you, you do the math, 532 of us graduated in my senior class. And we go on Fridays to a pep rally, our football team, well, they can't win nothing last year, but praise God, they almost made it to the finals this, I mean, to the first round this year and didn't. But anyway, they, that's those pep rally. Football team come out, everybody screaming and hollering. You know, we're in the bleachers in the, in the gym. Yeah. And they're going crazy. The band's playing and all. They're getting them all pepped yeah. up, you know, because we're going out there tonight and we're going to win this ball game. Yeah. This Baptist boy, they ain't turned Pentecostal. I'm standing there with all my friends and I have a moment. That's Proctor. I had a God moment. All of a sudden, I looked at 1,300 students plus staff and I said, What if we were standing in the presence of God doing this? Ooh. A Baptist boy had that thought. Wow. That's right. Listen, our environment does not have to change us. No. That's the reason I said that. It doesn't have to change us. It didn't change them. It did not change them. They didn't them. let it. Mm -hmm. No, they didn't. All right, let's look at a few things here before we take take a break. Let's look at um, let's look at our study guide. Number one, it says the book of Daniel is only is the only apocalyptic book in the Old Testament. The word apocalyptic means revelation or uncovering of something. So the answer there that should be in your syllabus, and you'll find this in your book as you read it, because it tells you that it's on page, and these are Roman numerals, it's on page four of your textbook. This answer is, the book of Daniel is the only apocalyptic book in the Old Testament. Now, I know we have some writings that line up with, with prophecy in Ezekiel and uh, Jeremiah, even Isaiah. There's prophetic things. 
But as far as the end time being apocalyptic, we recognize in the Old Testament that it being that of the book of Daniel. So that's the reason I said earlier, is it a prophetic book or is it a historical book? It's both. It's both. And if we don't accept that, we're going to miss it because there's people that try to place Daniel in another time frame. Now, folks, I'm going to go ahead and say, if you get to reading the book or you get to reading any other materials for Daniel, there's going to be some that are going to try to tell you that it could have been written in the second century. Yeah. But it had to be written somewhere between 605 and 630. Somewhere in that frame in the 6th century. In the 6th century. Okay, with that being said, even with some archaeology finds and things of that nature, some of the events of, of King Nebuchadnezzar and things that have been proven and found, uh -oh. it helps us to set it back in that time frame. I'm sorry, did you say the one to question one was on page four? It should be. I don't see it. And a one and a five, a four. In Roman numeral, I'm sorry, it's in your it's in your introductory part because oh. those okay. are Roman numeral. I apologize, it just dawned on me when I look back, and then then it gets into page numbers. Okay, so it's going to be uncovering of something, uncovering of something, something that's being revealed. Mm -hmm. Okay, then number two, the theme of the book of Daniel is the sovereignty of God, with its main focus. Of the Jews. Now we've touched on that a little bit because there is even scripture in the book of Daniel that declares that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of kings. And even in those time frames, most people thought, such as these empires, that their leader was God. They would exalt themselves. So we can see how this has been branded into man to be God himself even after the flood. By the time we get to the plain where the Babylonian tower is, is, is built. Alright, let's find a place to, to close. Let's look at number three for just a moment, but, but before I do, and then we're going to close and take a break. The theme of the book of Daniel is the sovereignty. God is in control no matter what takes place. Mm -hmm. And God will, God will use the events of man to get his plan. God can use his nature if he wants to. And God can actually intervene in whatever his laws are. I didn't say break his laws. Because he's sovereign. Then it says, main focus on the Jews the nation of people. God's got his eye on Israel. What he promised Israel is going to take place. They're my people. The Bible says those that bless Israel will be blessed. Those that curse Israel will be cursed. All right, let's look at three, and then we're going to take a break. To gain a good understanding of Bible prophecy, one should study which two books? Daniel and Revelation. Now, my understanding is the plan is somewhere about February. There may not be a class in January that, uh, well, well, don't let me say that. Don't let me say that. What I'm trying to say is we may wait and push to February before we start Revelation. But we'll do this class November and December as far as the day. But my understanding is the next, less, the next class will be Revelation as far as in our studies in the Master.
All right, with that being said, when you take these two books, they give us a back-to-back. -back. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment, how they complement each other in our next uh, next part. All right, I've got about, uh, about 10, 16. Let's try to be back by 10.30, okay? Okay, we're going to return to... Um, Page one of your syllabus, and as I stated just a moment ago to some of you before you come back and you didn't hear this, I'm going to do my best to uh, align the book with this. The pages are here as much as I can if I have some comments in mind. I got this after the fact, then I had to retract and go back, and I'm trying to put notes so I, you know, that I maybe have put here. Okay, so if I look lost, that's where this conversation with the closet went just a moment ago. If I look lost, y'all pray for me that I get saved. And then Sister Tammy said, quit talking about myself like that. And so I shared the bathroom experience or the bathroom lost uh, in the middle of the night. Couldn't find the bathroom. Okay. And I turned that recorder on and said all that. Oh, okay. Lordy. Well, maybe we'll get some new students when they hear this and they say, well, what else is comedy? No, no, no. All right, let's get back to our study. All right, let's get back to our study. Okay, we were talking about the two books that complement each other, and, and, and number four really gives us, a, in, in, uh, gives us the concept of that. When pairing the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and study, the two complement each other. And, of course, you can see on page five and six, remember these are Roman numerals, uh, you'll find that uh, answer in the Roman, Roman numeral of, of, of that. So if I don't exactly read it from the book, take notice of that. Okay, so let's look at some things that we can fill in here that gives us an indication of that. It says, Daniel reveals the first coming of Jesus, his death, and the resurrection of Israel. And the word there should be Jerusalem and the temple. Revelation begins with events which take place after that or after these so this gives us an indication um, of these two things that helps us break the events down before where we're at now in our time of life and what's yet to happen and then it opens the new chapters of the church being out of here by the fourth chapter of the book of revelation if you're, I mean, if you're mid or, or post, I, I just pray that you line up with 144,000 and evangelize the world. That's Amen. Right. I'm not going to split hairs with you over that. <clears throat> All right. Uh, B, Daniel gives an outline of world history from Nebuchadnezzar. And as we stated earlier, the book was written 605, somewhere between 605 B.C. and 630 during Daniel's life. And so, uh, and, and, and the events occurred during that time. And of course, we understand from the prophetic things that are happening, things that are going to take place. So, so be as what? it would be uh, the second coming of Christ. Okay. Now, I want to throw something out, and I may mention this again, so this is not in your book right at this perspective time. I want to make a, 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 I want to make an understanding here that I think will help us. When we look at the term that is being even stated in your study guide here, the first coming of Jesus. Of course, we 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 need to realize that His birth is a coming in flesh, tabernacling with us. But 
when we see these terms first and second, sometimes we get these things messed up or false, and, and I think it causes some of the, the conflict. Mm -hmm. I want to give you two words, and I may not pronounce one of them exactly right. I do the best I can with it. Um, and I don't have the spelling right here before me, but if you will look in he if you will look, you can make a note of this, we won't turn there. But first Thessalonians chapter four, uh, it used the term called up. Mm -hmm. Called up. Yeah. That word called up in the Greek is harpadzo. Yes. It means to snatch. Really, that's a better word. It means to snatch or to seize. Now that's the power of God in action. Mm -hmm. If I come over here, and I'm not going to do it, if I come over here and all of a sudden grab her by her back of her collar and just jerk her up, she ain't going to be too happy. And I might not be too happy when, how deep are your fingers? Okay. Pretty long. Okay. But I'm going to tell you, God's fire will break. God don't break laws. God's, God is the one that created the law of gravity. Yes. So he created it. He knows what exceeds it or supersedes it. That's a better word than rapture. The mm -hmm. word rapture is not in your Bible, and I'm not going to make the arguments. And if you use the word rapture, I've used the word rapture. But I like away. using the word huh? called away. Called away, called up. Or if you really want to, you know, somebody posted something on Facebook here a few weeks ago, and they were making their statements, and I said, there's a harpazo, and there's the perusa. And I'm sure there's someone out there saying, what in the name of heaven is he talking about? <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, to rattle their brains and make them think something else. You know, I didn't even comment. I just, you know, I thought, well, you know, everybody else does it, so I'll just throw something out there. And I, I got a couple smiles or, or, or little thumbs up, whatever. But anyway, that's beside the point. Okay, so... When we look at that thought, let's think about when we're thinking about what is in, in, intimate right now that can take place. That's the rapture yeah. or the herpadza, the, mm -hmm. the snatching up or the seizing, taking us out of here with his power. Now, I'm going to throw this out, and, and maybe maybe it's not the time to do it, but I'm going to throw this out. And you agree with me or disagree with me, and you're wrong. Okay. There's more that's taking place in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with the first coming of the Lord than what we may see in that passage of Scripture. Mm -hmm. I have the tendency to believe, and that's one of the things that I like about the book of Daniel. We not only have God as sovereign that we've already talked about, not only do we have four Hebrew boys that come down there and they don't let it change them, they stand strong. And God is using every event to carry out his plans. But also, I just lost my thought. All right, let's move on. You'll come back. Okay. So with all this taking place, we see the coming of the Lord. We see that Daniel even prophesies what's yet to come in the realms of the first coming and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So these events will uh, take place after these as far as the book of Revelation. And that my thought will come back in a few moments, I'm sure. If it don't, we'll, we'll do it with another time. Okay, I know what it was now. See, I told you to come back. Okay, at that first coming, we know that it's going to be the voice 
of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But also there's going to be a trumpet. Mm-hmm. Also where I was going to go with this, Michael is an archangel and he is a protector of Israel. Mm-hmm. We understand that the enemy, Satan, is the prince of the air. Now this is what I see. I could be totally 100% wrong because I want to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. When all that takes place, and Jesus steps on a cloud, mm-hmm. I believe he's going to say, come on up. Mm-hmm. All this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's going to speak to us. We're going to hear. Twinkling of an eye. Gabriel's going to blow a trumpet. We're going to be gone. <laughs> I now, see now maybe you never saw this, but I believe this. I believe Michael's going to be standing there with the sword, the word of the Lord, ready to speak it to the enemy and the heirs. Because Mm. if the enemy can, he would try to intercept even God's power right there Mm. to deliver the church. Uh huh. Yeah. I could be wrong. Y'all could be wrong too. But I see that. I see that as a great possibility of what takes place there. But one thing I will say. As we even look in, into Daniel further later, we see Michael. We see him as a protector of Israel. Yes. There's even been those that have stated there's been angelical imagery over Israel. <coughs> Matter of fact, I have a I have a, a a man that I wish you guys could have met. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. Thirty trips to Israel. I think I've mentioned him, Doctor D.L. Parker. He tells in the in the, in the Six Day War. And I'm, you know, he says it's documented. We don't hear about this. He said, actually, now God uses natural things to get done what needs to be that will define, that will, that will, that will confound the enemy. Yes. He said that in that six day war, Israel took old vehicles and they stripped them down. All they had was headlights and they had exhaust systems removed. They lined them up for miles mm. and in the middle of the night cranked them up with no exhaust and started moving forward with the lights the enemy thought the United States has landed and the enemy retreated mm. and you say I don't believe that well you read your Bible there's times that they retreated in the, in the Old Testament that's right they did they retreated the enemy retreated you find it when Joshua done what uh, was it Joshua where they it wasn't Joshua. Um, where they pulled, where they, they actually pulled themselves back, yeah. and then they had those laying back. Uh-huh. They had the troops laying back, uh-huh. and then they came in and seized the yeah. city. Uh-huh. God used strategic, yes. gave man wisdom. Numerous times. Numerous yes. times. Numerous times. Okay, so with that being said, B, the answer there in A was Jerusalem. B, Daniel gives an outline of world history from King Nebuchadnezzar to the first coming of Jesus. Revelation gives an outline of what happens after the second coming of Jesus or the perusal. Mm -hmm. And that's when he comes back on a white horse. Revelation chapter number 19. The second coming. Mm -hmm. Now a lot of times we hear people saying what we call the herpazo or the, the rapture second coming. We'll be with them on this. We'll 
We'll be, be coming, right behind him. We'll be right. coming right behind him. Mm -hmm. on, a white horse. on a white horse. There you go. On a white horse. Oh, yeah. We got sword yeah. and outstretched. Yeah. Yes, yes, Can't yes. Wait. I want a good take riding lesson. <laughs> <laughs> you won't need them, sister. We're going to automatically know how to ride that horse. The biggest thing is, I've got a picture, and some of you may have seen this picture. Um, and I may have said this before. I've got a picture, and I had a, I had an instructor in Bible college, and he was showing the picture one time, and I think it's the one I've got, a copy of it. He said, folks, look at this picture. He said, what do you see? Jesus mounted on a white horse, and man, he's leading it, and it, and it just gets further back, you know, just layer to layer of people, and you can't even see you know, the horse. You can't see the saints. You just know it's, it, it, it's the truth's coming. Yeah. And he says, take a good look at that picture. He says, that's going to happen. He said, you best not be looking up and seeing. He said, you better be seeing the horse's tail swing. That's right. Because you're on the wrong side. You're on the wrong side of this. You're on the wrong side. That's right. That's exactly right. All right. See, Daniel yeah, I gives, love that one too. Uh, Daniel will give insight. That's really all we're going to be doing is riding with him. We yep. don't have to lift up nothing. Don't have to lift oh, up. Why are you dressed in robes of white? Because there's not going to be any blood splatter on him. Mm -hmm. He's going to blow yes. it, and that's the end. That's it. Yeah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right. Right. Hey, we just got up from the table of Holy like Ghost, uh, Holy, uh, Holy, Holy, Holy Bless. Uh, um, what's the word? Um, What's the word when it's... Uh, Complication. Well, that's a good word. Uh, <laughs> the foods. Kosher. Uh, kosher broccoli. Kosher squ uh, squash. Mm -hmm. Kosher lamb. Hey, man, we just come from a meal. And blessed yeah. by the rabbi. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. The head rabbi. Yes, right. Yeah. That's right. So the first coming of Jesus, uh, Revelation gives an outline of what happened after the second coming of Jesus. Then... C, Daniel gives, uh, will give insight to those who missed the rapture mm -hmm. to know how to identify the beginning of the tribulation. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And some of you have seen uh, some of the, and read some of the books of, uh, of uh, End Time uh, mm -hmm. by Tim LaHaye. Mm -hmm. um, yes. They, you've seen it where the preacher that missed it and he's trying to win everybody. I don't want to be yeah. in that. No, I don't want to no, be that. I don't no. want to be that pastor that got left behind. Me neither. No. Uh -uh. But we I'm should tell be you. at the stage right now where we're work, we're working toward our crowns, mm -hmm. the different crowns that we want to lay at his feet when we get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Daniel's going to give us an insight of when or how to identify the tribulation period. Mm -hmm. What group of nations will rule the world and who will be their leader? Wow. Now, as I stated earlier in this picture. We are definitely still being impacted by all these empires. Yeah. We still are being impacted by these empires. But we definitely are in the ladder of the leg of irons, and we're definitely in the feet of the irons and the clay. And you're fixing to see the clay take more emphasis in the days ahead. And we'll talk more about that as, as this mixture is. Because if you look down there at the bottom of your page, it says modern Europe. Wow. Modern Europe. Mm-hmm. And it goes back even as far as AD 476 to That's present the day. Antichrist is going to run. Okay. Um, 
D, Daniel gives a clear understanding of God's ability to protect Jews mm -hmm. than any other book in the Bible. Wow, that's interesting. I'm sorry, I was in La La Land. La La Land, the words Jews. <laughs> Protect the Jews than any other book. And probably the next one, or the closest, <clears throat> would be probably how God did protect um, protect uh, the house of Israel through uh, Esther. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Well, I'm going to tell you, he's protected the United States because we've been protecting the Jews. I believe But that. we're now giving in. So we're going to lose this protection over here, too. And, and we're going to talk about, too, how that's going to come about. Don't blame. Hey, listen, I don't care what your politics is. And, yeah, they can be part of the blame. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can blame Jimmy Carter for helping sign the treat, peace treaty if we want to. Mm -hmm. But when it's all said and done, yeah. we can't blame just one person. No. Right. And we're going to talk about that as we get further into this. Okay. Daniel provides information about the influence of evil spirits on nations and their leaders. And we see that through mm -hmm. through even some of the things that takes place with Nebuchadnezzar, uh, even through Belshazzar. Uh, we see some of these things, the influence of evil spirits, and then even these other empires. All right, F, Daniel gives us the skeleton or outline of the end time events, or end time. While Revelation gives us the flesh, I think that's supposed to be fresh. I didn't type that. That's a typo. Fresh gives us the maybe it's flesh. It, it is flesh. It didn't give a page number, so I can't go back and relate to that. Okay. Um, the uh, that's six, I think. Okay. So it does say six. I mean, it does say flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it is right there. The book of Daniel gives us the skeleton of the end times and outline. Revelation gives us the flesh, many of the details. Or complete picture. What paragraph's that in? Or what? The first uh, paragraph at the top. At the top. At the yeah. top. I'm looking yes, at the sir. bottom. Okay, I see it. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I put complete. Outline. Hey, I don't six, know if it's the Roman it could number be six. Okay. It's in the introduction it's part in book, before we get to the first chapter. Many of the and then complete picture, outline. Complete picture. But I'm doing many of the details. Oh, I'm going to put that too. We're on number six, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, the last thing we've done was F. Number five, the book of Daniel was written by Daniel. Amen. And it had to be written between 605 and, and uh, 530 B.C. All right, number six, the book of Daniel is divided into two parts. All right, the first part contains the history or events of the lives of Daniel and his friends. That's chapters one through six. Part two, it contains the prophecies. That's what you need to write there. And those are your last chapters from 7 to 12. Now, let me interject this, and I don't have them right before me, 
But when you get into after the sixth chapter, it's it's like it, it goes ahead, but it's falling back into some of the information that's already been stated. So we'll we'll try to remember to deal deal with that when we get there. But basically, it's broke up into broke up into two uh, events. First, the history where it gives us uh, the information about Daniel and the other three Hebrew boys, uh, those first uh, six chapters. And then the last part, definitely 7 through 12, the prophecies of Daniel. Now let's look at some background information. Um, and, of course, I've encouraged us to use the Hebrew names. Some of the background uh, information here on page 2, Daniel was a young teen between the ages of 13 and 14 years of age when he was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, in the year, now there's a typo, and I know this is a typo. You look in the book. It was, it, it was the year 605. Mm -hmm. 620 is his birth, estimated birth, somewhere between 618 and 620. So uh, Daniel was born in 620, but it should be in the year 605. Now, actually, your Bible, the book of Daniel, opens up with... These words in verse one, verse uh, chapter one, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury house of his God. Now, I'm not going to go into that right now, but these vessels are staying there, it seems like, in the treasury. But later, you see, with that of the finalizing of the Babylonian Empire coming into the Mede-Persian, uh, or actually it, it coming to, to a halt or, or change, a change, we find where these vessels are taken out of the treasury and used, and we have the writing on the wall. So there's kind of a period of time here, some years, we don't necessarily see these vessels being used. They've been treasured, or they've been, been uh, secured, it seems like. But they were taken. Now, this would have been the first move of captivity to Babylon when these young men came. And it would have been in 605. It had been in the third year of the reign of the king of Judah, which was Jehoiakim. So with that being said, we made the, we made the typo correction. The year was 605 instead of 604. On page 4, you can find that. Uh, and that's, uh, that's actual page 4. It's not uh, Roman numeral. All right. Daniel's name meant... God is my judge. Wow. Now that's Hebrew. That's coming from the Hebrew. All right, that's important because, see, what we need to understand, these guys were taken to be trained. The king wanted to use them in his service. And um, I know that uh, Sister uh, Meredith um she went to the University of uh, Rod Parsley. Mm -hmm. That's not the name of the school, but, but anyway. These guys, I don't think they played basketball. I don't know that 
they were in the in the uh, the top ten or or in the ACC. But these young men ended up at UB, the University of Babylon. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that they went three years. I know it doesn't say University of Babylon, but 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 they were trained for three years. They were trained in the uh, the etiquette of of, of uh, the Babylonian culture. They were they were taught the language, and they were attempting to assimilate them into the culture. Yep. With what changes they made, mm -hmm. and they wanted these men to be the best, and they must have seen something in them to invest these three years in these young men. But also we got to look at they also believed we will train them, we will manipulate, we will brainwash, yep. we will change you. Mm -hmm. And folks, if you don't think that don't happen at it, I better not say this. That happens today. That's happening right now. Yes, it is. One of the, and I hate to say it this way, one of the smartest things that has ever taken place with humanism, I'm not talking about in another nation, I'm talking about America, is it came through the education system Amen. in America. Amen. Oh, yeah. That's right. The state believes that they own your child. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. My wife and I, we're not doing it now. Our, our last two grandchildren that uh, is high school level, they started at, at early college this, this year, and they will be able to get an associate's degree uh, when they graduate the same day, plus finish their high school. We, we homeschooled them for one of them three years, and, and, the, and she just finished early so she can get in in January. The other one's already in. I'm going to tell you, folks, if, if we ever, ever could get our our children right now into Bible-based education or homeschooling. And I'm going to take you, I'll tell you, it takes a, it takes a discipline. It takes time to yeah. do that. But that will be more progressive, more, more important and productive is the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. If we can teach, and folks, even if we send our kids to public schools, we need to be instructing in the home and That's we need right. to be sending them to, or well, we don't need to be sending them. We need to be going to Bible-based churches yes. where, yes. and yes. we're re-emphasizing it in the home. That's right. We're re-emphasizing it. Mm -hmm. Listen, in the seventh grade, when I had a science teacher rise up and say something about evolution, Harry Wood went home and I was upset. Mm -hmm. There was enough of Jesus in me and there was enough of scripture in me. And I already knew that I, I, I was going to pursue ministry. I was upset. You ain't going to teach me I was created with a monkey. No, it don't, no. don't make good sense. No, it don't. The thing that concerns me is that it's okay to teach evolution, but they can't teach about Christ. Uh, amen. By the time I was in the 10th grade, and me and him are friends right now, I won't give his name because he may even listen to this recording. He'll, he'll know I'm talking about him. I'm, I am in still a friendship with my biology teacher. They would, he's retired now. He ended up being a, a vice principal before he retired. Me and him are friends on Facebook. I've run into him several times over the years. He's a, and, and going to a good Bible-based church. Today, they would not allow him to do this. I'm sure they wouldn't allow him to do this. But in 1974, he, when he come to evolution and creation, he put a bulletin board outside the door of the classroom, evolution versus creation. He wow. said, I'll show both sides or I won't show either. Oh, wow. wow. And that was in public school in the Winston-Salem mm. County School System. I love that. That's awesome. Yes. Good, good for him. 
I applaud him. I applaud him. Okay, let's get back to where we was at. Now I lost my train. I lost lost where we was at. Where are we at? You were at a number one on page two. We're at that's right. Daniel. That's right. We're talking about the names. All right, Daniel meant judge of God <laughs> from Hebrew. Upon his capture, his name was changed to Belteshazzar, which had two meanings. Now, you already know this information. Here, they're trying to identify them to the gods of Babylon. Mm -hmm. The gods of Babylon. And folks, let me say something here. We need to be thoughtful when we name our babies. Yes. Amen. And many of us have. Yeah. Some people never live up to what their name means. That's right. Some people thank God they don't. Yeah. Because of what their names mean. Yeah. Yeah. I sure wouldn't want to name a child Teflon. No. I don't know what's going to stick on him and what ain't going to stick. <laughs> it's okay. God will change you. I'm going to give you an example of somebody that lived his name. Oh, Ichabod. Well, no, he lived his no name. No Ichabod babies in my house. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, it was lived out. But yeah, I'll tell you an example in the New Testament, and that is the Apostle, Apostle Barnabas. Oh, yes. His name means comforter or edifier, yeah. encourager. Yeah. And that's exactly, was, even though there was a dispute between him and Paul over John Mark, yeah. He was looking at, Paul was looking at, hey, we got ministry, we got to go, buddy. We can't have nothing stop us. Yeah. But Barnabas said, wait a minute, we got to give this young man time to mature. We got to give him time. And he was a great benefit. He wrote mm -hmm. your second gospel. Yeah. See, sometimes we got the goers and we got those that's got to be, okay, we got to, we got to, we got to, you know. Yeah. Huh? I love it. Gotta love them. Gotta love, yeah, gotta That's love right. Gotta love them. We gotta so love God is merciful and patient. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes the difficult people that God may allow, or we, we, we see them as difficult, God may have put them there to teach us something. That's oh, right. God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you are sandpaper, I've always heard that term. Yeah. 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 To be our sandpaper. To be yep. our sandpaper. That's very good. But these two names here that were given him were uh, who bail favors. Well, I want God's favor, who don't you? Favors. I sure don't want a false God's favor. Amen. But you know what I want to say here Amen. is even a false God had to say, Daniel's favored. That's right. That's right. Yes. The devil sometimes has to tell the truth. Wow. Think about that. Praise God. The devil has to tell the truth. He does. He don't want to, but he has to. Yes. Yeah, come on. Demon. Yeah. Yeah. Violence. Yeah, that's right. I heard a little good clip on that. And I want to say it was either John Hagee on TikTok. If I find it again, I'll try to send it to you guys. It was either John Hagee or Jonathan Cain. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think one of the two, and it was it was good. And he was giving it from the Aramaic, and he was giving it from the Hebrew. Wow! And and off the top of my head, I don't recall it exactly, fully. Second of all, it means the keeper of the treasure, treasures of the prince of Baal. Now that's number what, two. Yeah, that's number two. Keepers of the um, um, 
Yeah, keepers of the treasures of the prince of Baal. Keepers of the treasures of the prince of Baal. Y'all forgive me, I forget that y'all have to write this down. Wait, what was C? We haven't got oh, to see. Okay, gotcha. Of the All prince right. of what? Prince of Baal. Prince of Baal. Prince of Baal. All right, thank okay. y'all. Right. Keeper of the treasures of the prince of Baal. But you know what? He was a greater keeper of the treasures of God. Yes. Mm -hmm. I like it when the enemy tries to, to belittle us, but yet in God's sight. And one of the things about Daniel's name from the Hebrew, God is judged, this was, we have to understand, Daniel, uh, this period of time, it was a judgment. Yes. It was a progress of judgment that God was using to fulfill what needed to be in the house mm -hmm. of Israel. Yep. He said he'll be in captivity for 70 years. 70 years. Um, but God, didn't, God did not forsake them. All right, see, Daniel disguised himself. Distinguished. Thank you. I saw that after I said it. I don't know where I'd come from. Thank you, kept, sister. I've been reading that, Thank that you. way, too. Daniel distinguished himself <laughs> as a cap, cap, captive because of his determination to be faithful to God. Now, I didn't find the word as captive in the text. But we know through the scripture there of Verse 8 of the first chapter, he had done made up his mind. His resolve was that he was not going to um, actually uh, belittle himself or to uh, defile himself. What would have happened to Roman number, number 2 on the 1? On the heat. Uh, the treasures of the prince. The, uh, the, the other one. First one was whom God favors. Whom Baal favors. B-E-L is the way that's spelled. That's all right. There is some sometimes Bell has been spelled that way too. Keeper of the treasures of the Prince of Bell. Keeper of the treasures. Who Bell favors? Number one. That is my judge. Okay, are we talking about under B, sister? Are we talking about uh, number one? Under are we talking a. about A? Are we talking about, about B? I'm talking about A. I'm talking about B. I just wrote in the wrong spot. Who Bell favors? Who Bell favors is one. And number two is keepers of the treasures of the prince of Baal. Now, if you go back, you should find some of this information on page four. This is not Roman numerals. This is page four now of the first chapter or the introduction. Okay. Number two, Babylonian history can be traced back to Noah's son. We related on that a little bit earlier. To Noah's son, Ham, who settled in a flat, fertile plain between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. Today, this area would be part of Iran. This is your fertile crest. This is some of your earliest civilization known to man. Okay. Tigris A, River. Was it Tigris River? Tigris. T-I-G-R-I-S. 
and the Euphrates River. Thank you. What's going on with the Euphrates rivers right now? Why is it drying up? Because the Bible said it would. The Bible said it would. <laughs> Why is that going to happen? So they can walk across. Possibly China. Yeah. yeah. Possibly other nations. They will mm -hmm. come that way. They will come that way on Israel at some time. Hopefully, and what I think and understand, I believe it will be after we leave here. But if it, if it, if it is, how much closer are we? Uh, if it's drying up, man, I'm telling you, things are moving quick, folks. They are. It's very drying up. Have you noticed the stars have disappeared from our heavens? I want you to take a quick There's notice of that. You can't find the little dipper anymore. You can't find the big dipper anymore. You know how as kids, we went out there and we could find mm -hmm. them. They're not out there. Is that proven like they're not there anymore? You're, you're seeing, no, you can't see you them. You can't see them. Go you're, out there and look. Wow. You're seeing more of Venus wow. and Jupiter and some of the planets. I never thought about that. In, in the right time of the night and the early morning. It's not there. Um, but uh, I've noticed it seems like less, and I live in the county. I live, I mean, we got a street light, but, but it seems like it's, it's uh, less. Yeah. Less light into the stars. Um, well, the so, Bible tells us the moon, the sun, and the stars will change. And they're definitely going to be doing a tribulation period of, of, of even more intense of, of things that's going to be with with that. Okay, let's look at A under um, A uh, of number two. The land was called three different names over time. The first was the land of Shinar. It was also called Mesopotamia. S-H-I-N-A-R. And then Mesopotamia. And Mesopotamia. And uh, I would think these uh, information is on page four. I'm trying yeah. to find it in the book. What I would do, if I can tell you the page uh, number, I'll tell you the page number. Some of it tells you the page it, number. It's on page four. I see it. It's on yeah. page four. Top paragraph under Babylon. What sentence? What, yeah. what page? Page uh, four. four. Now that's that's regular numbers. That's not the Roman numbers. And also, if you look over and you'll see some of the spelling of Baal uh, there, uh, and some of these words are in there. Okay. All right. So the first one should be the land of Shinar. The second one of Mesopotamia. And the third one. Maybe pronounced a couple different ways. Chaldea. Chaldea or Chaldea. Oh, Chaldea. And it's C H A L D E A. And sometimes we're going to hear words pronounced different ways. And I'll give you an example, and it is kind of humorous. I was had the radio on several years ago while you're writing that. And this guy immediately he had a little bit of a different of dialect. He was speaking English. And I, he, he, he really caught my attention, first of all, because dialect, and then I was listening to what he had to say. And the next thing I know, he says, well, this reference is out of the book of Jams. <laughs> That's exactly what I've done. James. Huh? And then it dawned on me. James. 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 So, you know, so sometimes we may say things a little bit different. So, uh, Uh, Chaldea, Chaldea or Chaldea. Okay. 
And upon reading your text and upon looking at places in Scripture, you'll see these places named at different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, even Abraham, he left Ur of the Chaldeans. This is some of the same area. Now, the timing might be different. Mm-hmm. So we see it, it's just like it's just like where you live. I mean this respectfully. Mm-hmm. Streets get new names sometimes. Yep. Okay, we've got a strip from Winston Salem in Winston Salem from Winston Salem State University. Anybody know where that's at? Winston Salem State, all the way down to Walktown Street, and that's some of my old tramping grounds. Now, there's a stadium over there, and it's called Bowman Gray Stadium. And Winston-Salem State plays their football games there. But during the year, it's a racetrack. It's a small racetrack. Richard Petty's even raced there years ago. They don't use NASCAR that intense. But I said all that to say this. That stretch right below the school, all the way to Walktown Street, used to be called, what do you think? Stadium Drive, because of the stadium. I walked down Stadium Drive many a time. But today, in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., that's what it's named. It's named all the way up past the school now. Wow. So changes take place because mm-hmm. of culture mm-hmm. or history and things that take place. Yep. So always remember that. So I, I have the tendency sometimes... When I come through there, we're talking about old times. I say, well, yeah, I remember going down to Kermit's and get something to eat. And, and, I, and I went down Stadium Drive. Because it's in me because I grew up. But there again, I know it's Martin Luther King, and I don't have a problem with calling it Martin Luther King. Uh, and we've got one, five, well, probably eight miles from where we live in Walnut Cove. And it's Martin Luther King coming out of town. So things change. And, and it changes with culture, it changes with history, it changes with things, and it doesn't mean that it's wrong. But what I want us to see is what impact that it puts, even in biblical thoughts, of where things are going and events are taking place. It can play in the picture. The picture of it. Um... I won't use that illustration. I have an illustration popped mm. up in my mind. Um, I know y'all want to know it. Okay, let's go to B. The land was also referred to as the cradle of civilization and was in the same area as the Garden of Eden. So we're talking about these transitions that took over time and even in this locality is for even possibly the Tower of Bell. Mm-hmm. Or Babylon. So we see this progression of things that are events that are taking us further into history and to lead us to where we're at even today. Um, so the Garden of Eden. And then four generations from Noah to Nimrod established a kingdom with the city of what? Anybody want to take a guess? Babylon. Babylon being named as one of the greatest, and there's still an in 
there is still an impact of the Babylonian Empire in the world today. There's Babylon, New York. <laughs> it's very close related to where the United Nations is. You start putting some of this stuff together, folks. It ain't by coincidence. <laughs> it's not by coincidence. Okay. Number three, the Chaldeans or the Chaldeans were Semitic nomads who lived near the Persian Gulf in present-day Kuwait. There's a present-day thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. southeast Iraq. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're finding nations that we know now that are relating to the time period. And see, when you go back and you see this Semitic, you see the lineage of the tribes and you see the lineage of, of genealogies and you, and you understand the... The, the issue of, of, of even Cain and, and then Nimrod, and Nimrod being one of the first main rulers that pushed for world government and even had emphasis with that of building the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. So we began to see these things taking their progression and man seeking out to, I'm going to use the word, sovereignly govern themselves. And see, we even see the example that I've already mentioned, how even Israel denies what God wanted for them to be, a theocracy. God, theocracy, theocracy. God in control. You know what's interesting? I want you to think about something. In 1776, this nation received its independence. They signed the Declaration of Independence. They put a, a, a constitution together. They already had geographical boundaries of at least 13 plus colonies. But I want you to think about how God moved Israel. He already had the plans, already had the foreknowledge and everything. But when they came out of Egypt, and I've always said this about Israel. Maybe you thought about this and you haven't. When 70 souls went to Egypt, and they remained there for somewhere about 430 years. They were in the incubator. Mm. Now think about that. They were in the incubator. Now we say, well, okay, yeah, but they ended up in slavery and they ended up in all this, this hostility of the Egyptians and the Pharaoh and all this. Yes, but God allowed that to be an incubator mm. for 70 souls to become millions. Mm. <laughs> and think about God's, God's mm. leading mm. grace and sovereignty he actually took them out of Egypt in in route to a promise, a promise and, here you, and here you've got a nation traveling to go there that has no boundaries at that moment. They have a promise, but they have no boundaries of a country. They don't even, they don't even have a constitution. And that's, Other than the fact and that's what God has constituted, and God gives them the law before they even enter the uh, life. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And it lines up with his sovereignty. It lines up with his design and what his promise was. That's amazing. I mean, because common sense, we would think, our founding fathers, as I said, they sat down, they drafted, you know, John Hancock, man, take my head, but I'm going to write it big. <laughs> you know, and Thomas Jefferson had, had a lot to do with the writing of the Constitution. I drafted it. 
and they went through the process. And so here we are today, what, 250 years later, 240-some years later, and now our Constitution's in question. Yeah. Sad, though. Well, Very sad. What's people doing today? They're trying to question this. Mm -hmm. Questioning the Bible. Trying They're to trying do away to question with it. that. They're yeah. trying to question God's authority. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yep. And we see yeah. it from the very beginning. God, that, that's the first thing that Satan comes, questioning God's authority. To Adam yeah. and Eve. But you see, they're not just trying, they're doing they're it. They're doing it. They're doing it. We're going to be, we're the end of the church. When we go out of here, we're the end of the church. We're, we're so it's hidden. End of the church age, yeah. So going back to our question here, it's talking about these territorial areas that are part of the Persian Gulf. Uh, A, the year, and it should be 875, 875 BC, several different tribes had settled in Babylon. B, the tribes were finally united unto, under, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce this, and you may pronounce it, Nab, Bol, uh, Polozar. That sounds right to me. <laughs> this, to my understanding, would have been possibly, more than likely, uh, I think we would be correct to say, more than likely, Nebuchadnezzar's daddy. Where is that? Where's that word? It's on page it's six it's at the top. Okay. And the second paragraph, I believe. Wait, wait, wait. No. Yes, second. Okay. Okay. Third. Yeah. Page six. Page six. Yes, sir. Yeah, page six. Okay. Yeah. It's up the uh, first paragraph under the Chaldeans. Fourth line yeah, through is. the bottom. Yeah, under the Chaldeans. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I've already gave you a couple dates here. Are we ready to go on to the next page? Page three. Did you give us C? Did I not give you C? No. Yeah. I apologize. Okay, I, I made reference to it and I didn't say it. Uh, it was Nebuchadnezzar, or Nebuchadnezzar uh, succeeded him. So this was his daddy, uh, King Nab. Wait, what was B? B was the actual uh, name that I gave you just yeah, a minute ago. Okay. And then Nebuchadnezzar would have been more than likely his son, uh, which succeeded him and began to conquer other areas. Okay, is his name wrote down Nebuchadnezzar? Ma'am? Nebuchadnezzar. I'm trying to find his name. Nebuchadnezzar. Name a son that I name, right and I thought it yeah, I couldn't uh, find it in the book. Yep. Now, who was his son? Yeah, that was his son. That was his son. Nebuchadnezzar was his son? His son, yes. Good heavens. Can you imagine Mama sticking her head out the back door and calling him <laughs> Well, you know what she called him? <laughs> Neb and Nab. <laughs> <laughs> Neb and Nab. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar's son is Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Ain't that something? Crazy. All right. So by the time, by the time of, of 626, we find this change from daddy to now Nebuchadnezzar that becomes a world empire leader. Mm. And many of these tribes that were from 875 BC began to settle in all these different areas. And this, this unification through these two kings, and definitely by the time we get to Nebuchadnezzar, 
So I'm just giving you some, you know, things to, to chew on and, and to kind of bring this together. Um, how that uh, he began to conquer other areas, began to bring it into a empire and ruling. All right, on page three, I brought up the, the date 931 B.C. earlier and 722 B.C. Number four, the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, and it would have been the northern, that would have been the ten tribes, Israel, yeah. and Judah would have been the southern. When King Nebuchadnezzar attacked Judah, which would have been in five, which would have been 605, uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar attacked Judah, all the people of the both kingdoms were called Israelites. So even though the Assyrians had took um, the ten tribes previously in 722, still it was considered Israel. And they've always been considered Israel, even though they had this division in 722 B.C. King Nebuchadnezzar, this is number five, besieged Jerusalem in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, which would have been the Judah king. Babylon began to reign, uh, began to siege in 606 B.C., yet withdrew in 605 B.C. as Nebuchadnezzar's father had died. So he returns to Babylon in order to be crowned king of Babylon. So this made some interruption in the battle or the fighting and the time. Now, if you remember... Uh, what was it, king of what? Babylon. 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 Crowned king of Babylon is number five. And that's on page seven. Uh, technically... When Queen Elizabeth II died, King Charles was the king, but they coronated him later. So we see some things developing kind of like that, but we see that there was this battle going on. He goes back because his daddy's, his daddy dies, and then we see that uh, he takes the kingdom. All right, number, uh, number five, he was crowned king of Babylon. All right, number six, King Nebuchadnezzar returned and captured Jerusalem. Why did God allow this pagan king to capture his city. That's on page nine. You may want to make a note. I told you you will find the answers to the five questions at the end of each chapter. They were constantly disobeying God. They constantly disobeying God. Yeah. So God showed his great displeasure with the Jews. Mm -hmm. All right, turn to page Trying to use two different <laughs> books. Is, all right, the last of the chapter, one of your your first question. This is your first question, so I'm kind of giving you some okay. some, some lead way. Um, This is a lot to keep it's up with. Study, five study questions. Yeah, your five study questions. Who caused Jerusalem to be captured and what did he use? So if you if you fill this in right now, that's fine. Or if you want to wait to fill this in, but you need to make a note that it's on page 23. But it's mentioned on page 9 in your in your textbook. But the but the question is on page 23. It says, God showed his great displeasure with the Jews for constantly breaking his covenant. God refused to be patient or protect them any longer and delivered them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. 
He used a pagan king to defeat this nation. He further showed the Jews that by breaking his covenant, they had also set aside the promises to be their God. His promise to be their God. So that's your answer, but you can find that on page 9. So if you want to make a note to go back and write that in, that'll mm -hmm. be fine. Okay. But that's one of your study questions that you need to, to do as your homework. So I, I said you'll find them in the book. I promise you, you will find them in the book. And you will find them in the book. <laughs> I'm re-emphasizing that. The answers are in the book. If you want to look in the back of the book, like some people says, I've read the end of the book, the Bible, <laughs> I've got the answer. I didn't say nothing, did I? I didn't tell you where the answers were. They're in the book. And you just found one of them. And if you take what I said, you figured something else out. Okay. So you should not you should not have a problem with your homework. Just use it to learn. You you've heard it now. You're going to read it. You're going to find it. You're going to write it. You saw it. You heard it. You wrote it. Uh, and do I still know it? Okay. All right. Number seven. God had been patient for how many years? Four hundred and ninety. Four hundred and ninety years. See y'all learning now to find it in the book. As the people broke their covenant with God. Isn't it amazing that God has a redemptive plan even for the house of Israel? Mm -hmm. what's, seven, what's, seven, what's seven times 70? 490. God said we were to forgive. Jesus said, Jesus, did he tell one of the disciples? He said, you forgive 70 times 7? That's right. God is emphasizing it right here in the Old, Old Testament with his children. That's why we should never change the words in the Bible. Amen. Uh -huh. We need yeah. to be careful with that, very careful, not to tamper with his words, because we can take meaning. And a very good example of that, and I won't elaborate on it, is the word begotten. I don't, I've got some Bibles <laughs> in my library, but you hear me quote John 3.16, it ain't going to say only, or he's unique. And I understand they can have emphasis, begotten. Because that word is the strength of the order, the rank of who he is. That's why we don't change some words. Okay, number eight. God allowed this pagan king to plunder the temple and take some of its treasures back to Babylon. We talked about how he placed the, the cups that would have been used. He took some of the vessels and he placed them in the temple. Now I want to give you I want to give you a little bit of a tidbit, and I may go a little bit more and give you some other dates because uh, I don't recall where I wrote them. I may have wrote them in this book here. Um, I want you to write down the date, August the 9th. Just the date, August the 9th. August the 9th. In 586. This would have been later. This is the first. In five, in 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 605 was the first time that Babylon Nebuchadnezzar took and sent and he, he, he got the, the four Hebrew boys and others and brought them, put them in the UB, which is University of Babylon, to train them. Okay. Then by 586, they they siege they siege Jerusalem, and there's the first destruction of the temple. The first destruction of the temple. When, okay. When was the destruction? It would have been 586, 586 BC. 
and they would have brought a larger captivity to Babylon. Okay? There's other things that have taken place, and folks, we know that the enemy used a holy day when Hamas attacked just here recently. Yeah. Okay. The Jews always fast around August the 9th. Mm. Yeah. Every year. There is some specific things that have taken place. And there's other things that I think have some more significance and maybe we might, maybe can't time off, but even one of the bombs on Japan was dropped on August the 9th. Mm. Both of your temples... The first and the second temple were destroyed on August the 9th. The first one in 586 B.C. The second one by Titus 70 A.D. August the 9th. It's a day of, it's a day of sorrow. It's a day they observe. Uh, they're probably more precautious on that day than any day of the year. They're the holy days of Israel. And they, well, yeah. Give me those dates again. 586 B.C. Destruction of the temple. The first destruction of the temple, and he goes in. See, the first time when he went in in 605, he just took vessels. He took occupants. He took, but then in 586, they went, and they seized the city, burned it, and destroyed the temple, or did the damage to the temple, and took vessels, more than vessels. They took vessels in 605. But in 586 is the actual first destruction of the first temple, and it would have been August the 9th. And then, even after Jesus in seven, uh, came and lived, in 70 AD, it would have been August the 9th. And there's some other things, and, and I may have those in some notes, and I, if I find them, we'll, we'll relate to them, that have taken place that, that, that are interesting. Well, that six-day war. That they had. It might have been tied into. That was tied into a think, holiday also. Yeah. September, I think it was. You know, that's their uh, Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah, in September you got the you got September October you got the fall feast. Mm -hmm. You got the fall feast that take place. Okay. So. <laughs> <coughs> number number uh, eight. God allowed this pagan king to plunder the temple and take some life, take up the treasure back to Babylon, and that's page nine, and that's six oh five. Okay, then number nine, the chief god of Nebuchadnezzar was Baal, and these are a couple other names that he's known by, or three other names, or two other names, was also known as Baal, and there's the B A A L, and Marduk, and Marodok. Morodach, and those are answers are on page number nine of your textbook. All right. Number 10, Nebuchadnezzar wanted young males captured and taken to Babylon. Describe the traits he desired in the captives. Um, in the captives taken. That's going to be on page 10, and it's it's a good little uh, uh, sentence or two, but I'll read it to you, but you can find it on page 10. Young men in whom there was no blemish. So he was looking for particulars that he wanted to put in training 
educate them, change them, or attempt to change them. Um, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach, there it is, there it is, who they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans, or the Chaldeans. And we find that actually in Scripture in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 4. So if you want to look at the verse of Scripture, that'll help you with that answer. That'll help you with that answer. And we're looking for young men, not only that look good, they had no blemishes, they were gifted in wisdom, they had knowledge, they were quick to understand, and they wanted them to serve, and they were going to change them, they were going to train them, brainwash them, whatever is what their intentions was through the language and the literature. That's what they're doing with all those children that have disappeared from Mexico. Nobody mm -hmm. knows where they are. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's been a couple statements about changing the Word of God. Now, folks, I, I don't have a problem with using different translations, but there's times we need to go right back to the original Hebrew and Greek That's right. and get the understanding. And I'm going to give you an example, and I may have gave you this example before. If I'm not mistaken, the Revised Standard, or I know there's some, standard, there's some versions out here, in Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse number 14, uh, I believe it is, where it talks about a virgin <coughs> shall conceive. See, here's where we got to be careful with, with lingo and language changing. If I said today, I think I shared this one time before, if I said the word maiden, mm -hmm. would we understand what the word maiden meant? Mm -hmm. 200 years ago, if the Bible, somebody had took it in English and didn't put the word virgin, I believe we need to use the word virgin. That's Don't right. misunderstand yeah. me. That's right. But we would have understood what a maiden was. A maiden was an unmarried woman. So therefore, if you're going to do what a maiden should be doing, she is not sexually active. That's right. She's not married and she's not sexually active. So we could have the right rendering, but as time goes and people just say, well, it's just somebody married, so... Well, everybody that's not married don't mean they don't sleep around. I don't know how to say it, Pastor. So if we don't understand the words and the terminology that's been changed, we've changed things. Yeah. We've allowed people to take the the word with the right, might have had the right intentions. Mm -hmm. That's why we need to, hey, what's wrong with using the word virgin? What's wrong? Uh-huh. And, and the game. <laughs> oh, my cards. Uh, all right, that might not be very Pentecostal for me to talk about cards. Okay, number 11. When these young men arrived, they received training in the areas of astronomy. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it'd be interesting just to take notice of these words. Yeah. There is a definite difference in astronomy and astrology. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, and and I really believe that we need to stay away from yes. from uh, some of the things that that Amen. lead into magic and, and, and the black arts. Preach. Um. Amen. 
So black magic, uh, the interpretation, the first word should be, well, the first one should be astrology after the word astronomy. And this, this comes out of page 11. When these young men arrive, they receive training in the areas of astronomy. That's the study, that's, that's the study, study of, 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 the, of the universe, of the stars and the planets yeah. and things like that. So we're, we're not talking about something that could be out of order there. But yes, when we get into it, we're going to worship the sun and we're going to worship the moon and we're going to this and that yeah. and the other. Yes. So there's nothing wrong with studying the, the astronomy Technically, I mean, think about it. There was a there was the the process of getting across the ocean that you had to use astronomy at one time. You knew you was going north, or you knew you was going east because you saw the sunrise and the sunset, and you saw the northern star, or whatever. That's on page eleven. So the first the first answer should be astrology. Then after that is black magic, and that's worded. And the next one would be the word interpretation of dreams. So the word should be interpretation. <coughs> the next would be history. After history would be medicine, omens, and philosophy. Philosophy today. Philosophy. Rhetoric. Rhetoric. People will come up with things to try to reason things. And that's what the enemy does. He tries to to, to put the mindset, well, reason this thing. Uh -huh. And the next thing we have philosophized, and we've changed what God said, and the next thing you know, we're walking in error. Yeah. yeah. And then also, I made a note that's in the passage of Scripture that we stated earlier. In Daniel 1.4, also language and literature of Babylon. Those were a couple other things, and that's not listed there in number 11. But they wanted to learn the language. They wanted them to learn the literature of Babylon. Now, I don't know about you, I hated literature in high school. I hated it. I hated reading literature. I, I enjoyed reading the Word of God. But since I've got older... There's some of those old writings, and I'll tell you one that I despised. But now it's made me think, and we even had our grandchildren read it. It was one of the curriculums, and we're teaching from biblical perspectives. And even the, 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 the materials that we gave them were, were good, godly materials, even to teach history. But for one, I can't remember who the author is. There was two books that I remember we read. The House of Seven Gables mm -hmm. and the other one, The Scarlet Letter. Yes. I hated those books reading them in high school. Oh, yeah. Either one, any of y'all ever read those two Yeah, books? they were required. They were required. They were required. So I said that to say this. The same thing was going on in Babylon. Yep. They had to read the literature. Mm -hmm. They had to read the literature. Now, there's some things I just don't want to read. There's some things I just don't want to read. But then again, if we're careful, is there culture? Is there things that we can learn and understand? But we've got to understand also, is it going to be a mindset? The enemy is going to trap us. 
we got to be very careful with this stuff. We need to be careful what we bring in our house. Oh, amen. Amen. I may have shared this. I've got one book in my house. I have thought about getting rid of it. The pastor, don't crucify me. I, I did security work in, in a, a public library for a few years, and they'd have a book sale every year. And somebody had donated this book, and it's the biggest of strong courts. If you got one of the old strong courts, it's it, 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 yay wide and high and whatever. And as, as a science of it, it's a hardback book. It was still in the wrapper, brand new. It's on the top shelf. I, I think I've anointed that bookshelf. <laughs> I have thought about throwing it out several times, and I've used it a couple times. And I think, well, maybe I need to hold on to that. As we get further and further, it's a commentary on the Koran. Oh, wow. I don't have the Koran in my, my study. I don't care for it. But I've got that. And it's by Muhammad somebody. You know, all of them's Muhammad. <laughs> Muslims. Yeah. And I've looked at a couple things in it. And it's, it, it's interesting. But it's not something I want to sit down and learn like I have the Strong's Concordance. I have kept it just for reference, but it have been a few times. Oh, God. And Jesus, not, you know, you know, I'm not scared of the book. I'm not, you know, I don't, but, but we do need to be careful what we bring in our homes and, 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 and materials and, and literature and things. Um, and some of us, we may not be ready for certain things. Um, number 12, the young men were to receive training. How many years? Three. Three, Three years. And I just put in University of Babylon. You don't have to put that. Uh, they would be given positions of honor and trust in the Babylonian kingdom. Yes. I want to make a statement about what you said about the Quran. Mm-hmm. And the sister that I was talking about um, Esther, how I learned what Haman's name meant, it came from that Quran. What his, what his name really meant. Or from. And so, during the writings of that, some things that you don't think you, you need, sometimes it's information that really can enlighten what you're studying sometimes when you find out that type of information. Well, it's because just like your enemy knows your word. You need to sometimes know the enemy's word. Mm-hmm. The word is Like we were talking about Daniel, he said he purposed. So even purpose. though he had to go through this education, if we go through it with a purpose mind that I'm just mm. obtaining information, That's I'm right. not dwelling, this, mm. this is not my life. Mm. I did it's a study, of, example of that, I did a study a few years ago, and I put it out a couple of times, and, and, and I, I went I went and said a few things this year at Halloween, and, and, and I'm not here to, to touch this year. Yeah, if you, name you actually means Islam. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. But I did a study on Halloween a few years ago, and I put it out there one time. Okay, it did not. It did not change me. Well, it did change me. It, it gave me a definite. Hey, why we don't observe Halloween? Yep. And some people even want to take the next day and say, well, you know, mm-hmm. All Saints Day, folks. All this no. is still leading back to death. It's all That's leading right. back to to to. Uh, I say that, but uh, uh, but but it's leading back to 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 uh, things that that are unbiblical and unscriptural. Um, so 
you know, it, it, it broadened my thought. It's not something I dwell on. It's right. not something I want to dwell dwell on all those things that I read about. Mm-hmm. But it's it's absorbing some information. Yes. We get informed. We get informed. Um, the thing I found most exciting, not exciting, most interesting about the Quran was it starts off in Genesis. It's got our beginning. It doesn't change until Ishmael. And that's, that's right. when everything begins to change. Mm-hmm. But the whole beginning is word for word, right after, out of a King James. It's, it's amazing. That's exactly right. Exactly right. We're going to have to get ready to close here in just a few minutes to go to lunch. Um, we're on uh, we're on number uh, 13. 13. 13. All right, this is interesting, and it gives you the information, which before I got this study guide, I had wrote some of this stuff in this book. Um, let me turn there, because I might have a note that I have, I have wrote, and I wrote, wrote, that's good English, written. Um, but it gives you a chart here, and you may want to take time to study this a little bit, because I think it gives you some guidance on Especially noteworthy young men. And it tells you to complete. Well, y'all don't have the chart completed. I'm sorry. Thank you. We have the first Hebrew name is Daniel. And I've got the answers. That's, okay, I apologize. It's on, it's on 13. It's on okay, it's on 13. 13. Okay, thank you. I knew it was in there. Um, I just got this worksheet this week and went back and was trying to correlate it with this. Okay, page 13. Okay. You find God is my judge. We've already mentioned that. Then we have uh, Daniel's uh, Babylonian name. And you have the definition uh, as you go down to the next chart, down at the bottom of the page. So at the top, you've got the Hebrew names and their meaning. So you may want to fill those in. So you've got a reference. And you're having the opportunity to write them. So uh, Belshazzar, uh, Belteshazzar was his Babylonian name. Well, let's deal with the Hebrew names first. Then we'll go back. If you, and I don't know which way you already wrote. But Daniel, his Hebrew name would be God is my judge. And then we find Hananiah, God is gracious, God is gift. And then Michelle, uh, Michelle, yeah, or Michelle, or Michael, or however you want to pronounce it, who is like God? God is great. And Azariah, God is my helper. Now, I can see where God uses these names to speak what he's going to do in the behalf of these young men and also the nation of Israel. God says, I'm going to judge you. God says, uh, I am, or, or he's a, 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 God is gracious. Even though I'm judging, I'm going to show you mercy. Um, and then, in all the situations that take place in the events of Daniel, when they're 
come to the point of, of, of even being thrown in the fiery furnace and the den of, of the line of, of the dens, a den of lions and all these different things that happen, we find who is like God. We find God is great. So God is keeping his word even in the names or the meanings of their names to them. And then definitely with some of the things they encountered, Azariah, God is my helper. So we see God orchestrating help to these individuals, but also to the house of Israel. Um, then the, the, the Babylonian names was Belteshazzar, Shazer, whom Baal favors, keeper of the treasures of the prince of Baal. And I think we talked about that a little bit earlier. And then uh, Shadrach, um, it is uh, command of the moon is one thing that is emphasized uh, in one thing that I read, and I wanted to bring that out, uh, illuminated by Shad, a sun god. So there's this, this moon god and the sun god. There we go back to using astronomy in the wrong way, what God created, and is it there's scripture in the book of Romans that talks about they exalt and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing, they exalt the creation over the creator. So we see that even early in man's history where they began to exalt the creation over the creator. And they make the creation God. All right, we have Azariah. Well, that was the Hebrew name, but we, uh, we uh, uh, find uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. Um, and actually, um, it can be also pronounced the the uh, the uh, nigo uh, nebu in a b u, and it talks about um, a servant of the nigo uh, fire god, the fire god. So there was the fire god, and it makes me wonder. When Nebuchadnezzar decided to throw those Hebrew boys into the fire, was that a way for him to speak, my God will excel over yours? Yeah. Because he threw them in a fire. Mm -hmm. Something to think about. Um, also, in your uh, chart down there at the bottom, it says the servant, which actually means a slave, um, it also can be spelled Nebo, uh, 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 Nebu, uh, in A-B-U, and also that could be in reference to major god of the Assyrian, so it even goes back to the Assyrian, or the Babylonian uh, Papion. Now, I'm going to close with this thought. The Papion, it can mean an order of gods and or a temple of gods. And the word, and I'm giving you some things that may not be exactly recorded here, um, but the word pantheon is P-A-N-T-H-E-O-N, and it can mean order of the gods. So we can see with even these names that King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire would have an order of gods, and then even their place of a temple or a shrine, or a place that they would observe these gods, could be that of the Pantheon. Mm. 
So it's a location or it's a ranking of the gods. Now, I can elaborate here, and I'll say this, and I'll go ahead and say this. We find in Philippians chapter number 2 where Jesus did not count it inferiority. He didn't count it uh, any kind of uh, problem to be equal with his father. But he stepped down into humanity to tabernacle with us. Amen. To become our redeemer. It does not lessen the fact that he's God. It does not lessen. And see, the beautiful thing about Son of God and Son of Man is the Son of God became the Son of Man so that we could become the sons and daughters of God. And what that shows, only God can be our redemption. Not methods, not rituals, not all these things that go into darkness, not creation itself. So it's important that we see even the contrast of the false and the true. That's why I've made the emphasis of these Hebrew names and the Babylonian names, even the Babylonian names. The devil has to tell the truth in some aspect because of what their names really mean. All right. Um, we will go ahead and... Um, let me say this, and I, I will close, because this is on... Uh, this is on page 14, and this is number 14, and we'll close with this page 4. The Hebrew names reveal four traits to honor God, or four traits of God. Why we should focus on using the Hebrew names, and I've said that. Let's use those Hebrew names as much as we can. The first one represents the judgment of God, Dan does. The second name, Hananiah, the grace of God. Third, the greatness of God which would be Michelle, or, or Michelle. And then D, the provision of God. God's going to provide whatever, if it's safety, if it's protection, showing up in the fire, making kitty cats fall asleep, stop their hunger pains, whatever. God is their helper. God is their provision. So that's where we're going to stop right now and we're going to go ahead and go to lunch, attempt to be back as, as quickly as you can um, around 1230, and we'll, we'll start again. All right. All right.